Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Andrew Desiderio, known in the photography community as Desi Drew. Desi is a landscape and wildlife photographer based in the San Diego area with a portfolio full of really diverse work, including everything from breathtaking action images of wildlife to abstract urban landscapes. Desi, thanks for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you getting up. It For uh, those who don't know, because you aren't here with us, it's seven o'clock in the morning, uh, Pacific Coast time, because this is the only time we could find that uh, that really worked out. <laughs> so... Welcome. As a landscape photographer, you know, you're kind of used to getting up early, so it's uh, not too big to beat sun, sunrise. So I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm really excited. You know, it's, it's a little easy to wake up when you're pumped up uh, to get in there too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think uh, half the time I know that for myself, if I know I'm going to have a tough time getting up, it may be easier to just stay up. Oh yeah. Run, run through it. I don't know about that one. Maybe in my younger years now it's starting to be a a challenge just uh, moving around at all period. Yeah. yeah, uh, Well, I just did it this week earlier this week and it was uh, one of those where I thought, well, I could either try to arrive at three in the morning or I could just be there the night before and just, and just stay up. Make it through. It paid off that comment picture. It was beautiful. So uh, the hard Thanks, work man. definitely was was clearly uh, worth it. Well, I had some good company because that's, that's a trip I would nef- definitely would have not been thrilled to do by myself. It was a lot of hiking in the forest in the dark um, near Mount Hood, and there are mountain lions up there. You know, I talk about it all the time, and uh, every time I go out in the middle of the night somewhere, I tell whomever I'm with, I'm too big of a wuss to do this by myself. I go, I don't know how people do it. I, I admire people that do, but one tree branch that creaks a little bit and I'd be hightailing it like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. So uh, I'm really happy to have you on here. Um, I have admired your photography for quite a while. And one of the things, we'll dig into this a little bit more, but one of the things that I have always enjoyed is just the diversity of your work. It, I love that there can be a picture of, you know, a beautiful um, seascape right next to a picture of like some kind of crazy exotic bird. And then right next to that, you've got some kind of macro um, shot of some, you know, really fine detail or insect or something like that. And I, and I find that it's, I love that I never quite know what I'm going to get that, there's a there's a consistency to to the look um, a consistency to the way you shoot and yet your subject matter um, is always refreshingly diverse i appreciate that uh, and, and it became very intentional uh, when i began i realized that a lot of people to make it in the industry kind of were having success in picking a niche and really running with it uh but for me, I enjoyed the technical aspects of photography so much. I wanted the challenge of, oh, how can I learn how to, um, you know, shoot wildlife and learn uh, the challenges in that. And then macro is such a unique set of challenges. So how do you go and move to that and learn it? And 
So kind of that thirst for learning kept me going. And then I realized it in itself became my niche was the, you know, the diversity and range in photography and it kept me motivated. And, uh, and I appreciate that you appreciate that because I'm glad to see that, uh, what I really would define myself is showing through. Yeah, that's great. So before we dig in too much, cause I'm, I'm, I have you already talking about, you know, what you, what you believe in your process. I would love for you to introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a bit about a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, what you're up to currently, and and then we'll dig in from there. Absolutely. I'm Andrew Desiderio, but I go by Desi to the photo community. Uh, I created uh, the moniker because I've always been a little fudgy about the name Andrew, so I like Desi better. I thought it looked better on a picture in the corner than Andrew. Uh, I'm located here in San Diego. Uh, I live in Miami for about three years recently going to grad school at the University of Miami and that's really where a lot of my photography um, positioning and career started to take off, uh, although it did begin in San Diego right before I left. So that was uh, a little bit of an important part of my transition, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, I grew up here in San Diego on the beautiful seascapes and always admiring just the natural beauty of the ocean and the sun setting over the water. And I think that was kind of the first touch that tied me into nature. And, uh, you know, down here, it's so dry, it's such a desert. So you always navigate towards the ocean and it, it just kind of, you get used to an early age of just kind of peace and nature calling you in that sense. You know, we don't get the Pacific Northwest diversity, but, if it's Friday night, it's very likely you're sitting with your toes in the sand, watching the sun right. fall over the horizon. So just a little bit jealous of that <laughs> uh, for well over half the year. <laughs> That's what everybody says. So I, it, it does make sure that uh, I don't take it for granted. That's great. That's great. So what, um, what part of uh, San Diego, where did you grow up there? So my family owned a business uh, in mission beach. So right near the okay. coast. So I, I got to always, uh, kind of be near the coast, right on the water. It's, it's about a hundred yards from the bay and the ocean. Mm. So, you know, it definitely was nice to be able to know that there was some water right behind you and walk over there just to take a peek if you needed. For uh, sure. I grew up, I kind of bounced around, parents separated and, you know, different homes. So uh, I, I tell people, I just finally purchased a home down here, but I tell people that mm. I, I've lived in about, thank you. I live in about 15 different places because every year I would get a new lease and try a new part of town. So I've <laughs> right. been, I've been everywhere in San Diego. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm fairly familiar with San Diego. My wife, her, her, um, her folks are both from, from there. And so I, from the moment we started dating when this is, you know, 20, 20 21 years ago, I've been, I've been going down there a couple, at least once or twice a year. And, uh, they all grew up kind of in the, in, in the interior area in kind of the El Cajon, Santee, uh, La Mesa area. And then f for most of my wife's, you know, most, most of the first part of our marriage, her dad lived in Oceanside. So we would, uh, we, we would come down there and we always, we would always stay with, choose to stay with him. <laughs> it wasn't because he had the better location. He happened to have a great, uh, a great spare room, but, it certainly didn't hurt. It did, uh, not at all. Not at all. Being yeah. right by the coast. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, and then lately it's been interesting because her dad moved away. So we don't have that option. So we just been doing an Airbnb out on the coast and we've, we've been trying out all the little towns, uh, you know, and every, every time we ask, oh, why don't we live down here? <laughs> and the answer is because it's really expensive to live on the beach down there. It, it yeah. is. It is amazing. I, you know, growing up here, I'm a bit desensitized from it, but even yeah. to a local, it's, it's scary. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, they say that not a lot of people are from here because I think that happens. You kind of, well, how am I going to be able to stay here with how expensive right. it is once you get old enough? I would say the last time we were there, we stayed in a an Airbnb um, in Cardiff, Cardiff by the Sea. Oh, gorgeous. And it was literally up the hill from the main the main beach where they have the, they have this big surfer statue. And then they have, you know, the Patagonia, one of their big flagship stores is right there. And we were, we were probably, I don't know, three blocks up the hill and we had, you know, surfboards and boogie boards and we would just walk down with bare feet in the morning. <laughs> I mean, you can't, can't complain when life is like that. I, Coffee uh, shop on the way, <laughs> the whole a, deal. A little humor about photography though. I'm, I'm kind of known as the San Diego uh, photography curmudgeon because, uh, I'm always ranting and raving about how it's so difficult to shoot uh, seascapes in San Diego. And you'll get a lot of people out with the camera and they're sitting and go, oh, you're always so negative about it. And I go, but if you really think about it, it's so gorgeous. And it's one of those odd conundrums because it, it's just an absolutely gorgeous city, but it's not so photogenic. And it's kind of ironic mm -hmm. because you have these long, flat beaches. You don't have a lot of real... Right unique compositions it, it definitely makes you earn your weight as a photographer but uh mm -hmm. it, it's challenging to really find that dynamism that uh you really look for in a photograph and so i'm always whining about it i'm kind of the san diego whiner maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a better word the san diego whiner i love it well i think you can only shoot the uh la jolla cove so many times yeah it's it's you know, in the Pacific Northwest, I have so much envy of you guys because it feels maybe obviously I'm not there shooting it every day. So it's different to an outsider. But, uh, you know, the range of emotion that you can get out of the same scene due to the dynamic skies and the, all the elements. But when you're down here in San Diego, the coast, you don't have as many elements that really can change. So you're kind of, all right, let's make magic out of, uh, out of nothing. And uh, sometimes it works. Yeah, well, and I find sometimes that uh, when I'll when I'll be down there, I'll I'll go out for sunrise, sunset, you know, doing the typical landscape photographer thing, trying to get the beach. And I find that, uh, and this is you know, I'm sure that better photographers than I would would not struggle with this, but I find that I'm very beholden, and my imagery depends a lot on what the weather is doing. And if I don't, if I don't have, if there's not interesting clouds or something like that, then I'm just kind of, my head sinks and I'm like, okay, well, at least it was pretty, but lose a little bit I, of that, that, uh, creative focus. Yeah, exactly. So I think I depend on a little bit more there where, you know, in Oregon it's gray and dull most of the time on the coast. Um, and so when you do get that color, you're, panic and run around like a little kid <laughs> and then and then secondly even if you don't get it there's probably something really dramatic happening uh somewhere else you know it, by pointing the camera in her direction so i understand your pain and i'm <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i agree with it so that that's really uh 
really interesting. I love, love that area. It's great to see your photos every once in a while because it, uh, you know, it reminds me of, uh, of my, of kind of some family home. And then my, my family's from Southern California as well, but from the suburbs of LA. So there's no landscape, inter- no landscape nostalgia on that side at all. Well, it's, it's great to hear that it's bringing some memory to you. You know, when I, that wasn't what I set upon with photography. Uh, you know, I kind of always laughed that it's a bonus that I get to create emotion for others because for me, all my photos are memories that I have my own story with. And then the fact that others get to build a story out when that, the first time I heard that, I kind of went, wow, that's, Oh, what's this warm feeling I have inside me? That's <laughs> neat. You know? Uh, and it, it was addictive being able to, uh, try to evoke that emotion and that storyline in others. Well, that's great. So tell me about, you, you mentioned going out uh, to Florida for school. What's the, uh, what were you studying when you were there? And you mentioned a master's degree. I got an MBA, so master's in business administration from the University of Miami. And uh, it was, I've had this just internal toil about wanting more. I mean, that's kind of, I'm, I'm known, and you probably can attest to this, I kind of almost have a little bit of edginess. I've already called myself a curmudgeon once. You know, I, I right. kind of always have that. And it's it's nothing external. It's it's all internal, which I'm sure we'll talk about quite a bit today because it absolutely is a big part of the foundation of who I am artistically as well as personally. Um, but I always, you know, I grew up in a family business, and you have that preordained destiny you know, feeling, you know, my dad's, you know, he's going to come in the company. He's dropping me off before I could drive to work shifts. You you don't even know you have a choice. And I've quit a million times trying to chase something else. Uh, So after I went to college, uh, I came back to San Diego. I went to the Bay Area in undergrad. I came back to San Diego. I worked for about 10 years in my dad's store, but I always felt, I want more. I want more. And Higher education was always just, it felt like the next test. You know, I want, mm-hmm. I want that challenge. I want to figure out how to push my limits. And uh, I, I'll give you the quick version because it's a long story. But I was trying to get my PhD in clinical psychology. And I got waitlisted out of school in Florida. I thought I was in. I didn't get in. And so I, uh, I called the University of Miami about business because I knew I had an extensive business background rather than psychology that would be easier uh, to go and attain the graduate degree uh, quicker. And Miami was like, well, actually, we got a spot. If you apply now and you qualify, we could fast track you if you're ready to move in a week. And I go, well, I thought I was moving out here to do psychology, so I guess I'm just moving out to do business. And, uh, <laughs> and so it worked out. So serendipitous. It, it absolutely was. It, and it was you know, a perfect three years of just life development, you know, even in your thirties having that, you know, it better late than never. So, yeah. (laughs) So what, uh, you mentioned the family business, is that a business that's still going? It is. I'm actually back in it now. My, uh, my dad had a heart attack in September after I'd moved back to San Diego and he's recovered. Um, but it was a forced retirement, uh, pretty much Uh. that day. And so I was doing photography full time and, you know, when you're freelancing and working privately, you're able to kind of maneuver that then, you know, in a different 180 degrees if you need. Right. And so the next day I 
I went and took over the business because we don't have an extensive family. So it was just me, the only one able to step up. So sure. Sure. And what, what's the business? Do you mind sharing? Oh, uh, it's, it's humorous because it's a bikini shop. It's a retail, nice. uh, retail swimwear store. It's been there since 1979. So I literally grew up and it's older than me. Uh, so wow. it's, uh, it's definitely, I always make the joke that when you have a bikini shop, you have a bunch of boys as kids. So I'm probably destined <laughs> to have boys myself so that exactly. You know. Well, and, and I, you know, the, the, the disclaimer is that I already knew that I just wanted to say <laughs> it, uh, right, right. When, um, when the COVID-19 stuff started up, uh, you, uh, graciously shared a discount code and sent us all some, uh, uh, a link to come buy some masks that you guys were, were selling, uh, that are fantastic. I got my bikini masks. I got, I got go. one right with go. me. Yeah. Well, they, I, yeah. I actually have, I have a couple of, we bought three of them. My wife snagged one right away. Um, and then I have two of them and they just live in my car and I've been using them. They're, they've become my favorites because, uh, they're, they are Lycra spandex. So they don't irritate my face. What like all I call the cotton masks do. Um, and they've got a cool little pocket to try to, to throw a little filter in there. So I was literally wearing one while I was at a client shoot yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. You know, it's fun. I got in on those masks early in the pandemic and you know, there's definitely, you know, it's fun having that business background and doing photography and being, you know, trying to find creative maneuvers because in swimwear is a part of the fashion industry. It's a niche in the fashion industry. And one issue we've had, and we're a retailer um, with a lot of the manufacturers and designers is they're so artistic, but they kind of get a little lost on the business end. And so it's fun to have a little bit of that analytical eye and to be able to balance that with a little bit of a creative eye because, you mm-hmm. know, so much of, uh, art and creativity end up kind of needing to kind of have a little bit of motive behind, you know, as opposed to just being free. So the correlation with that is with the masks. It was like, all right, well, I've got to figure out, is this going to work? How to make this happen? uh, Well, thumbs up from our, from our end. Uh, We're we're fans. It's, it's great to see, to see that kind of that repurposing. Say, Hey, you know, you look at me and go, Hey, cool. This is, it makes sense. You know, that they would be high quality, that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't fail. They'd have strong seams and all the stuff would work because a bikini is kind of a no fail sort of uh, article of clothing kind of needs to kind of needs to hold up. You gotta, so, it's uh, got to stay on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's great. Well, I, I think that's really an interesting take on, you know, you were, you were doing photography full time and then you were able to just jump right in. And I think that speaks to some of the flexibility of being, you know, being self-employed on kind of on both sides, you know, jumping in and, and being a part of something that where there's a legacy, but also knowing that you have the flexibility to do that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was an emotionally toiling moment. You know, obviously, you know, my dad's health was, you know, uh, very worrisome. Uh, he was in the hospital for about a month. Uh, so it was more exigent circumstance, go take care of the business. But realizing that this was going to be longer also meant kind of foregoing, you could really say foregoing that dream of trying to uh, continue photography as, um, you know, a career, which I was, you know, breaking through on. And 
then having to remind yourself that I don't have to give up my passion because I'm giving up a career in something. And I still, to this day, it's been eight months every day, remind myself, you know, hey, we're doing here a photography podcast, remind myself to right. keep photography in my life. And it it's fascinating because it's starting to come in my life in a lot of different manners like podcasts or um, I did some consulting the other day um, for a print company and, and just all these different um, projects that come about, which are kind of fun. And you can squeeze in at 7 a.m. instead of at noon. But uh, <laughs> right. it, it no, is, that's great. It's definitely a forced balance to, to remember, you know, don't, don't get well, caught up. I think it's convenient that halfway through that, the whole world kind of turned upside down as well. So, yeah. <laughs> You weren't going to be traveling anyway. It was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuck at <laughs> stuck at home. Come up with a come up with a home project. Yeah, well, that's that's no. I think that's great, and I love I love that balance. I love I love hearing that. Um, so one of the things that that I've I've mentioned it on the on the previous episode, uh, and just so we so you know, you are episode two. Alexa was uh, episode one. And I'll tell you what, editing that podcast is, was really interesting with one of those uh, Amazon dots in the room. It just <laughs> kept. <laughs> Finally, had to go in and turn it off. I, I was I was trying to edit uh, with the with the thing over the over the speakers, and I was in the same room with one of those things, and it just got overwhelming because it thought I was talking to it all the time. But I talked to her. One of the things that we that I mentioned was that oftentimes. I think photographers, especially um, folks that have any kind of a, a social media presence, we we get into only talking about who they are as a photographer. We only talk about their photography career. And I am maybe to a fault more interested in who a photographer is as a person than how they've built their career. Yeah, the, because I figure I can, I can learn that. I can, I can figure that out. That's going to be on some other podcast. It's going to be in some other interview, but I'm way more interested in why people shoot what they do and how it kind of, you know, what does it mean to you personally? So I'd, I'd love to dig into that a little bit. You mentioned that it's been a few years that you kind of started, you started shooting kind of right before you left San Diego to head off to, to grad school. But what what made you start shooting? And if you had been shooting before that, what was the transition like between what you were doing before and then what you, when you started doing it seriously? Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree, you know, the, the who and how you were built personally, especially as a, as a artist is a lot more fun to see than just how did you get lucky? You know, we all right. know how we can scratch off a scratch off ticket and win the, uh, win the lottery, but you know, what drove you to really wanting to get to those places and what you're going to do with it. Um, for me, you know, my story is similar to others and a little unique, um, you know, which probably like everyone, uh, I've been shooting continuously, probably about seven years now or seven to eight years, but a camera has kind of always popped around in my life. In middle school, I took uh, photography. We had the the dark room still. And I'm mm -hmm. not that old, but I'm old enough to remember that. And, uh, <laughs> nice. and it was fun, you know, but nothing of it. And actually, ironically tied in a little bit, the beginning to when my dad's business and I was working for him, uh, in the early two thousands, 
I bought a camera to do, I built our first website and I bought a camera to do the product photography because the images weren't provided. And uh, I bought a little kit camera at Costco. They still had them back then. And mm -hmm. uh, I chose Nikon because it was probably a bigger discount than the Canon sitting next to it. No idea why. <laughs> and, uh, and I shot the photos for the website. It did well. And then eventually e-commerce started taking hold uh, more widespread and companies provided their own images. So I threw the camera on the shelf and let it collect dust. Uh, years later, I was having, to me, photography is cathartic. I, I laugh because now photography has become a lot more social and a lot more about, I mean, heck, you and I have gone out and uh, photographed together. I came up to um, Portland and got mm -hmm. a bunch of people together and it, and it was great. And I've made some wonderful friends. But for me, it was always, I wanted to go and uh, just kind of get away from everyone. So one day <laughs> I was, I took my dog, Riley, I've had him for 11 years and I was having a bad day, just one of those wallowing in my own self-misery and uh, went and watched the San Diego sunset, like I was saying. And, uh, and it was just amazingly beautiful. Just one of those lifelong memory sunsets, the sky lighting up a million colors with a million clouds uh, seemed to last forever. And I had a little Blackberry and I took a little picture with my Blackberry and I looked at the phone and looked at the picture and looked at the sky and I was, man, these don't look anything alike. <laughs> what, what's going on here? And, um, and I, I set out after that and I, and I didn't even have social media and I've always kind of been early on a very personal person, wasn't a big social media uh, person to start with. And I started looking on the internet and trying to find sunset pictures to figure out like what's going on. And then you see some of these just artistic, just grand artistic images. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to take sunset pictures like that. And I go, wait a minute. I think I have a camera sitting on the shelf somewhere. I went and got the three inches of dust off it. And I set out to shoot. Scripps Pier was my first one. I'm going to go to Scripps Pier and take a shot. And I cannot tell you why. Maybe by pure accident. But I lined one up and I nailed a shot that I still sell to this day. And, wow. uh, and after that happened and, and, you know, it just kind of shows the uh, game of inches in life that if that shot didn't come out, maybe I would have never touched a camera again, but, mm. um, it worked out. And so I got hungry and I just said, I want to learn this. I, I want yeah. to, I, I can't tell you why I, there's, there's no explanation as to, why I got so hungry for photography, but I think the little incremental gains was addictive and, um, you know, the satisfaction of learning something. And, uh, for me, I've never been well, I would never call myself an artistic person. Uh, I'm, I'm very analytical. I'm very quantitative. Uh, I've always appreciated art. I worked at an art gallery in college. I have the eye for it, but I don't have the hand. If you saw my handwriting, it looked like it looks like uh, you know on uh, Charlie Brown the little squiggly lines that come off of uh, Linus. Uh, so it I looks just, like you need to finish and get the PhD. I, I need to write some prescriptions. I, I and the <laughs> fact that I'm not a doctor. If you look at my handwriting, you'd be like, the world is off center. My my middle son is like that. We we keep joking. I'm like he so he says he wants to be a brain surgeon. I'm like, well, you got the handwriting. For <laughs> I remember in uh, elementary school there was a grade for handwriting, and I was a pretty good student, and I had good grades. And then handwriting was like, you're gonna get held back because you can't write 
English. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten notes home. Um, great, great to have in class. Cannot read his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked sometimes in you know, handwrite essays and whatnot because the teacher just give up and be like, whatever, good grade. But sometimes <laughs> it would backfire where they're like, I can't read this. You're failing right. this paper. Like, all right, I'm gonna have to <laughs> take an extra five hours trying to like really clearly write each letter. I embraced typing when I was in college real quick <laughs> because my handwriting is pretty awful. Yeah. It, it's yeah. nowadays it's, you know, probably uh, never even have to handwrite from a, a young age. Well, it's weird. Cause I think my, uh, I don't know if, if you, if you were like this going through school, but they, uh, we, they used to teach typing, you know, full on touch. You, you would te- you would learn touch typing. I had to take it for an entire year uh, in high school and to reveal a little bit about my age, <laughs> I had to I had to spend the first half of the year getting up to I think eighty words a minute on an actual typewriter, and then once you got that fast, then they would let you move to a computer. <laughs> so, yeah, your handwriting won't hold you back. You're good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's what I could say. That's just my creative side. So we were talking about art and how. Uh, and how that all plays in. So we, I, I derailed us. Sorry about that. No, it's it's fun to be derailed. I, um, I just would never call myself. I still won't call myself an artistic person. I still hate to call myself a creative person because it, I have trouble seeing myself in that vein because that has never been my instinct, but I'm, I'm learning to accept it. Um, and I think a big part of photography, I, I would say absolutely hands down, why I enjoyed it. And it's a part of my art too, especially, you know, relevant now into what the trends are in photography that I liked photography as a vessel to capture what I saw. As I said earlier, some memories, you know, this is, um, to me, the creativity is a little bit more of that, uh, analytical, the physics of, uh, photography. And I think that really helped me in learning early on is it's so mathematical, you know, that even compositions, you know, are based on grid lines, uh, the way that, um, aperture and shutter speed, uh, work together all, you know, have a mathematical component. And so for me, that was, I gobbled that up. That's natural to me. You know, if, if you ask me to go and, uh, change the background in post-processing or add, add light somewhere, I'd probably struggle a little bit more with that because that's a little bit more the creative leaning side that, you know, I might, I don't necessarily vision it so much. Photography to me started as capturing what's out there. And so it kind of made it more fun to try to be out there to find those special moments. Mm. Now they just create them. So it's, (laughs) I I laugh because I I joined in the digital age and I laughed at the old film guys that didn't want to accept you know, the current trends and clinging to film saying digital will never work. And I'm reminding myself, I can't sit there and say, Oh, photography is about this purity. You can't, you know, do changing in post because Hey, this is trends and that's what, uh, what we're facing. Yeah, exactly. That's a really interesting, uh, I hadn't thought about that cause I'm, I'm old enough that I grew up uh, shooting film when I was a kid. I used to go through roll after roll after roll of, of film and I never knew what I was doing. It was uh, most of those images. It's just there's snapshots, and you know you kind of you hope the camera makes them turn out. But it's it is one of those things where I think it made me appreciate the old methods a little bit more 
And so I, I understand. And I think that it's always good to, to realize that a previous form of something, whatever you start with, it's going to be difficult for you to let go of that. And you're always going to think of that as the canonical version. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Totally. And I think, I think it's like that with anything. I keep trying to teach myself to embrace new music as I get older. <laughs> cause I, cause I know that's one of those, it's almost like a stereotypical old guy. Thing. <laughs> um, my, my, my parents used to always say, oh, why are you always listening to that crap rap rap crap? That's what they always called it. <laughs> And I, and I realized, I was like, well, okay, that's just, and I said at the time, that's because you're old. <laughs> so, trying to remember that as I go forward and ask my kids, what are you guys listening to? And they play something for me. And instead of rolling my eyes, I try to pause and go, okay, let's, let me, let me, let me listen to this a little bit more. Let me figure this out. And it's, I think if you can do that with art uh, and you can do that with new ways of doing things, you're probably in a better place. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the irony about art is you think, you know, there's always the term like sell out in art that you you have the risk <laughs> yeah. of, you know, it's it's a it's a term to me. I, I never understood why that was such a negative term, because, you know, that's kind of the goal in life is to find a way to to, you know, do things uh, for a livelihood. Um, you have to evolve in art. You have to be able to trends really do define that consistency and you don't have to lose your artistic creative creativity in order to evolve with trends. You just need to evolve yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't always have to be chasing and copying to evolve. And I think that's kind of something that people um, get stuck thinking that they're um, mutually inclusive, but, you know, learning new ways, learning what people are doing and trying to create it your own, you know, it's kind of always been fun to me. Yeah. Well, you, so we have a, a, a small group of, you know, a few photographers where we're always chatting and talking and you've brought that up multiple times. The idea of being able to separate yourself emotionally from why you would, you know, from like the idea of success and what you, what you view as success from figuring out what's commercially viable. And I, I think that's, that's interesting. So you, you, you touched on it there, do you mind talking a little bit more about that idea? In the sense of in success intrinsically, the idea or? of sell, the idea of, of the idea of selling out and and thinking about because I think that's one of those things people go, oh yeah, he's not a real he's not a real photographer. He's just chasing, he's just doing what it what is going to bring in likes. And then I've heard you, I've seen you say, hey, you know they just know how it works. They know what needs to happen in order to make it commercially viable. And I think that's, I think that's interesting if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think a little bit of that is, as I said, you know, hammered a few times that analytical component of really, you know, trying to break down what you see, you know, when you're seeing what's nice about this podcast, you're getting a little bit of me, but if you just saw, my pictures, a website or social media, you're kind of creating your own um, insight on who you think I am. And, you know, that's all you can do. And so even as you said, you try to evaluate um, my art and who I am as a photographer. Well, and anybody else, you know, it's the same thing. I think you kind of, you have to choose which direction you want to go in that niche. And some people choose the, um, commercial niche or some people choose the social, I would say social media is a niche, you know, and I, 
Um, you know, how do you choose what's creating um, like demand? And I call it, you know, shock, shock content. You know, a lot of social media is it's not made. I try to create art that you really want to study. And as you uh, touched on, you create some emotion. I want you to, to look at a picture and be stuck on it. But social media is so much about you hit it and you just, you're supposed to drop your draw or drop your jaw, forward that picture to everybody else, hit like, and then move on to the next one. Um, but I don't think those are wrong. You know, I just think um, they're choices and, mm. and there's a place for both of them. There's a place. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not successful in their own right. And as everybody says, you know, you can't use the term success. You can't have your definition of success be what other people's definition of success are, uh, if that's what they choose. And I think the the challenge with art, and I'm sure this goes all the way back to paintings hundreds of years ago, there's envy in success because, you know, art is so subjective. So, you know, we all feel like we can create art and we have this you know, work that should be seen more. And, you know, even the people who are seen by millions probably feel like, oh, but that guy's seen by 10 million. Um, <laughs> right. And so it's tough because myself, I, and I think I say that a little bit to try to remind myself to remove that envy component. Um, and definitely early on, I had a ton of uh, envy, uh, just, you know, oh, how come this guy, I think I took that same picture better. How come he's, you know, got a job because of it. Um, and I'm sure now, you know, there's a lot of people look at mine and be like, man, he doesn't even make dreamy landscapes. His landscapes are just boring snapshots, you know? Uh, so I, I do, um, I think when I say things in that group chat and I'm, I'm kind of known as the boisterous one in there. Uh, uh, uh Desi likes to stir the pot. I, I definitely throw some hand grenades out there frequently. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is is vocalizing reminders to myself and stirring the pot mm. so that I can remind myself that I'm not the center of the universe and see what everybody says. And uh, I don't like the taste of humble pie, but for some reason I really like to eat it. So uh, <laughs> I think that needs to be the the uh, that's the title right there. <laughs> there you go. The, <laughs> the taste podcast. of humble the taste of humble pie. Yeah. Uh, that no, I think that's fantastic. I the um i've i've heard it described in the past as that most and this is this is a, has a religious context but most sermons are created because a preacher needs to preach to themselves they they are preaching the message they need to hear so i think that's uh it's fairly universal that that idea yeah i i mean it's odd being having a social platform. And like I said, I didn't share myself, you know, I put Desi in the beginning. I like the name better than Andrew, but I also didn't put my, my personal information. I never even put that my name was Andrew until people started assuming that I was a woman and being a little inappropriate <laughs> to me in my DMS. Um, <laughs> but I, I was never one that wanted a big public profile. And then photography that kind of, as I say, evolving, that kind of became a, um, you know, uh, a necessity is to show more of yourself and to create a little bit of persona. Um, but almost everything I say in there, I, I'm, I have this wild mind that's always thinking seven different things at once. Uh, take that as you will. But um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, so much of it is, is an internal conversation that you're having externally, you know, um, 
Mm, and I, I, like I would say that's a very common thing for an artist, I'd assume. You know, that's a big part of trying to find a way to express what's going on. As I even said, you know, for me, photography was cathartic. When you need catharsis, you're kind of really trying to let go of all that stuff that's inside. So there's always uh, there's always a little something back there that's that's going on. Do you mind unpacking that a little bit more of what what that looks like for you? Sure, sure. You know, I I talked about a childhood and I talked about, um, you know, growing up and bouncing around San Diego. But for me, um, I actually faced a lot of challenges uh, um, that took a lot of toil on me when I was younger. And uh, some of those challenges ended up leading to me uh, making a serious attempt on taking my own life when I was 18. So I've always kind of battled with a little bit of who I am and a little bit of um, challenge with kind of keeping my head up. And, uh, and one of the ways that I found, you know, peace with that was to just try to find a way to kind of calm my mind as much as possible and going, going to the beach and going to watch the sunset and going somewhere where it just, it just felt like what I, I always said I liked about the ocean in San Diego is it felt like the end of the world. Cause when you look forward, there were no people. You just saw ocean, you saw sunset, you saw some birds. Yeah. There'd be people walking five feet away from you or behind you, but it almost was, it gave me this ability to have tunnel vision and, uh, and mm-hmm. photography ended up blending into that so successfully, uh, and this pursuit of just kind of finding my Zen and, um, you know, it's when you when you get so low that you feel like, you know, you don't want to be on this world, it's almost kind of like an addiction that's always going to be a part of you. And that's kind of been the challenge to live with is, you know, that's part of my history. That's part of my story. It's part of my legacy now. And, um, I know how low you can get where maybe others haven't reached that point. And so for me, it's always, I'm always trying to maintain the pursuit to stay above that, um, in the worst case scenario that I will never get that far again. And, uh, photography has really been kind of that fun outlet to just, if I know I need to go out and just, as you said about Portland or about the beach up in Oregon, you know, even if you strike out on a shot, you know, you're seeing something beautiful, you know, you're getting a little bit of the elements and something's always coming together. And then even better, usually it's even more than not getting shot. It's usually like something, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is, you know, I can't believe, I can't believe this happened. Um, (laughs) Right. And so that's, you know, just so fulfilling, just being able to keep, as I said, those are memories to me, they became memories. I remember every shot I took. I remember, what I was doing. I remember my emotional, um, uh, my emotions during that shot and during the setup. And, uh, and I'm proud of that all 60, 70,000 shots I have on my computer. I can look through and be like, I remember that moment. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, what's fun, you know, and that's really what's exciting. I don't know. I don't have great words to explain, but I just find that really hopeful to, to know that no, just, just the way you've described what, what that has meant, what spending time in nature, what spending time holding the camera out there, what that's done for you is really, that's pretty inspiring because that's not the quote unquote success. That's, that's not what people talk about. It's not how people typically would judge success. But to me, man, having a way to, to recenter yourself 
instead of be depressed, instead of be hopeless, that's a massive success. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was a big sports guy growing up. I played sports and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not good enough to be a pro and my body still breaks jo- down. Join the club, right? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> although when I go watch a baseball game, I'm usually like, I could do that. Uh, my friends like <laughs> exactly. to give me a hard time as I like to say that. But uh, the reality <laughs> is, and even then my body was breaking down. So I, I will never forget the moment where I fell in love with photography. And I said to myself, and, and with the most exciting aspect was, I never have to give this up. And it wasn't about, as you just said, it wasn't about a financial success. It wasn't about professionals. This was before even any of that was a concept to me. It was just the fact that I go, wow, I love doing this. And I thought to myself, I go, I can do this when I'm 88 years old. It's not like playing baseball or uh, basketball where you're like, "Uh, well, if my knee is in one piece tomorrow. Um, With this, I was like, wow, I, I never have to. And it felt so empowering knowing that I never have to give up something that I love. And, right. uh, and, and that's neat. And obviously in this world where things come and go so much, you know, it was really, um, comforting knowing that I have that, you know, um, passion and, and, and that I'll be able to keep that and it's mine, you know? Yeah. And if you need reassurance, just go hang out at a camera store for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you'll see those guys are, those guys are still kicking. Still kicking. Exactly. <laughs> probably still yelling about the digital kids. Oh, you digital kids. Now <laughs> at least films making a resurgence. I um, had a, a experience just before everything locked down. This is probably like February where I was in um, our local camera store pro photo supply here in Portland. And there was a, I don't know. He, I'm, I'm going to guess he was probably in his mid seventies, older guy. And he was in there and, and he had his whole big, uh, kit and he was, uh, he was trading, trading up for a brand new mirrorless kit. And uh-huh, he, he said, I, I think, uh, I, I think I've been watching all this stuff going. I think it's time to, to <laughs> let go of the, my old stuff and move on to the new, new stuff. And I, I was like, that's really cool to be able to, to be able to say, this has served me well. It's time for the next thing. That is a big moment. And, and, and there in a nutshell is exactly what's exciting to me about it is that I can 50 years from now be sitting there and be giddy about moving on to the next thing and the next, uh, passion, uh, enhancement, you know, and, and it's cool. And you see a lot of people all over that do that. It's also neat, you know, I didn't realize, and, and I was in just a touch before photography was trendy, not too much. You know, I, I'm kind of on the border, kind of like I'm a millennial on the border. I was on the border of um, <laughs> photography being trendy. Um, but a lot of people, you know, you, you do hear the story and kind of using it in a cathartic way and, and you know, it being an outlet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you touched on something. I'm, I'm curious about your take on it, this idea of photography becoming – you know, kind of, kind of a popular thing. I mean, photography has always, it's been around, right? It's been around for a long time, but it seems like it has, it has had this mass appeal, especially with the younger generation in a way that, you know, probably it kind of coincides with social media. What's your take on that? You know, cause you mentioned kind of being on the front end of that and watching it happen. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I do remind myself frequently, you know, why I love it and make sure that I'm not caught up in, in just wanting a trend and, and remembering that 
trends come and go. And so I do think that this will, you know, ebb over time. Uh, I try to make sure it doesn't take away from my love for photography because, you know, it, it does feel almost like hyper competitive in a sense, especially as it became a little bit more of a profession. Um, you know, then you're starting to really try to, as I said earlier, that envy aspect, you know, you're seeing so much more, uh, and social media has definitely enhancement enhanced it. I think a lot of people wanting to chase that digital dream. And I think that you see that a lot, you know, as you said in the podcast, you know, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, how did they make it here? And I think that's a big thing that everyone wants this camera to go in and, you know, how can I make it big next? Hashtag van life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, I taught photography for um, privately and through a, a company, not through a university, for a, a couple years. And probably the most common question was, how can I make money off this? Oh, can you teach me about printing or can you teach me about how I can? And, uh, you know, my answer always is, you know, stay passionate and try to continue um, even to the kids on Instagram that may reach out and hey, how do you make it? And I go, just take photos you love, you know, don't, don't let, I try to remind them not to let social media dictate their passion, but to be passionate. Um, sometimes they'll tell me to F off and I don't know what I'm talking about. And then they go do it anyway. Uh, the first one is because everything on social media was a, uh, portrait orientation four by five is like the biggest picture on Instagram. So right. that, so that was the trend is you have to do them like that. And, uh, and I told someone, uh, my buddy checked me real, real great one time when I saw this, I'm like, do I need to be doing this? And he goes, you're a landscape photographer. It's called landscape orientation for a reason. I was like, <laughs> I was like all right, you're right. Thank you. I needed that. I need you to kind oh, of slap great. me around a little bit. Um, and I told the kid that, and he, he sat there and he looked at me, he's like, no, but you know, four by five, that's how you got to do it. And I go, all right, you know, do, do your thing, you know, just be passionate about it. See, we're lucky up here in Oregon because we're shooting a lot of waterfalls. Those kind of need to be vertical. You, you got to get them vertical, so you get to you get to sneak it in. You just have to make sure you don't that you that you get wide enough. You can crop it down to the four by five. Hey, there you go. Yeah, because Instagram has not budged on that. They're not they're not letting us post those two by threes. They don't want the wide ones. They don't want them. <laughs> the um, you know, so I don't you know your question to draw back what you know the the trendiness. It's good. It's created you know a lot of creative challenges to where, you know, you have to really kind of be on your toes trying to envision things differently. And, um, you know, especially in post-processing, it's kept me on my toes with my Photoshop skills to really, you know, keep up with the Jones. That's why I say all the time, I gotta keep up with the Joneses to at least know how to do stuff if I'm not doing it so that I'm not 10, 10 years behind everything. Um, but again, to draw back everything in the beginning, it doesn't stop you from being able to go out with your camera. If you close your eyes and tuned all of that out, nothing internally changes about your reason and passion to take a photo. Uh, yeah. It might make commercial challenges tougher, but. Well, I think it's, it's great um, to know that like you already said, you don't have to give this up and there will be an artistic expression and a place. Maybe it won't be the same platforms we're posting them to now, but there will be a place for you to put your imagery out there to the world when all of this stuff is when we're past this. And I, I had a good reminder of that there's a, a landscape photographer here in Oregon named Steve uh, Terrell Terrell. I'm not sure how, how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. And I was in a coffee shop. That's also an antique store. 
and found one of his coffee table books. Oh, wow. And, and I totally bought it and brought it home. And then I went, I'm like, I wonder if this guy's still around, if he's still shooting. And sure enough, he was. And he had he had moved forward. He had a big Instagram following. He's still selling calendars. He's one of the few that I think still sells enough to make a living at selling calendars and prints. Oh, wow. And it was really it was really cool to see that he had made the transition from being kind of an old school shooting with a four by five uh, film camera to shooting digital. And he's he's making it work. He's embraced the new places to show your work. He's, and, and I messaged him and just said, Hey, this is, I found this book. It's really cool. It's on my coffee table. And, and he, he thought that was pretty cool. He yeah. Said, oh, that's so, that's so great that that's, that you found that he said, because that's like from a different life. And yet the artwork is not that different. It's the same content. It's the same kind of. Well, I bet after getting that message, he set out and took a really, uh, uh, throw a photo session and just had an extra extra little bit of uh, standing upright. Uh, I, I know, so. I know it's you know for me, it became addictive being able to share it. You know, it became addictive being able to uh, have people see something that I did, uh, let alone to say. You know, I always say anytime someone says "Wow," I mean, I'm, my heart flutters a little bit. Like to be able to get somebody to to have that emotion of "Wow," I just I'm humbled by that every single time. And I don't think I'll ever, I'm one of the type of people that I don't think I'd ever not be humbled by that. Uh, it just means so much to be able to share. So the social platforms are nice and being able to create the ability for, you know, you to impact other people. Um, right. and, uh, and so easily. Uh, and so that's, you know, really great. I can only imagine if someone sent me a message in 30 years and was like, Hey, I saw this. Yeah. I would just, I'd be beaming. You'd be like, what happened yeah. to you today? I'm like, I'm having a great day. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I think that's great because it gives a long-term perspective to things. And ultimately the reason why photography has had that cathartic effect on you is because, and I, maybe I'm putting a label to this that I don't know you have, but it's because it brings perspective. When you go out and you stand on the ocean and you look out into the into into nothing, into way out there, it's reminding you like, no, there's this is all just it's just moving forward. Everything's just going. Um, I I've always thought that it's great to remember that you're very small, but not insignificant. Yeah. That the, the like things that. we do, you know, that the the whole idea of like the butterfly effect, the things that you do. They have impact, and yet there's so much stuff happening. There's so much machinations of people and the world and the environment that you you never know what kind of effect you might have on it. And so all you can do is just put what you put what you got into the world. It's that that whole idea of uh, um, making a dent in the universe. Yeah, exactly. You know, try to yeah. try to try to make an impact. You know, I, I yeah. kind of feel like that's the life goal of all of us to try to make some sort of positive impact. And, and yet to know that, you know, make, make an impact, but don't take it so seriously. Don't, don't, you don't have to be, I mean, it's funny that I said, make a dent in the universe. You don't have to be Steve jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not a failure if you don't, uh, if, if you don't create Apple, right. That's not, that's not how we have to judge success. And like for this guy, this, you know, the Steve that I found his book, I mean, that's pretty cool that that reaches through decades and finds somebody so. right yeah definitely you know created a ripple for sure you know yeah 
I love that. So with all of that being said, and talking about how all that stuff has impacted you and, and, and those sort of things, there's a couple different pieces. You've already talked a lot about the the seascapes and spending time out of, you know, with, with taking pictures of these beautiful scenes on the ocean. Tell me about the wildlife photography, because that's something I don't have a lot of experience with, but, but we have some mutual friends that you guys are always, you know, and I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a bad way. You're always one up on each other (laughs) with these these crazy wildlife photos. And I'd love to know more about how you got, why you do that. What, what drives you? What, what is exciting about that for you? Sure. Sure. You know, um, there's two big aspects that drove me so much to wildlife. And one of them was a little bit of what I touched about on that catharsis aspect. And one is just literally nature uh, impacting me. I'll start with the latter first. You know, San Diego is not a very biodiverse place. It's like I said, it's a desert on the ocean. We have a lot of pelagic animals, but um, we don't have a huge range of wildlife. So when I moved to Florida, that really did um, jumpstart my wildlife career because I was, it was New Year's. I drove up to Savannah, Georgia uh, with my dog and I saw this giant bird fly across the sky. I mean, humongous. And I go, oh my God, I think that was a bald eagle. And I became known as like the bald eagle guy out of this because it took me about a year and a half and I was addicted to trying to find a bald eagle and a little bit of the backstory of that well ironically now a few bald eagles are in san diego county but you know bald eagle is the american animal you know it's our our um, mascot our national bird uh but in southern america but in southern california you know, it's, it's fable, you know, you you just don't even think of it being, you know, I know you guys get them up in the PNW uh, all over the place, but down here, it's kind of just like you see it on the dollar bill or on, on, you know, the memes of the guy toting shotguns and a flag, but you don't know it's real. Um, So when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God. And I chased the thing in the car, like 60 miles trying to like navigate through the swamps of, uh, of uh, Georgia to uh find it and it went into some refuge this wildlife refuge and i drove through the entire refuge spent all day i was supposed to go to hilton head instead i uh chased the seagull couldn't couldn't find it again but i go i know they're out here and so then i start and for the next year all over the country everywhere i was i was trying to figure out where the eagles were and finally one day i got tipped off to an eagle nest in marco island florida and i drove i got up at three in the morning I didn't stay up all night. I got up early. I drove a couple hours to hit sunrise (laughs) and lo and behold, right in the middle of a neighborhood, literally somebody's house is across the street. There's this Eagle nest with this pair of Eagles in there. And, um, it was just a glorious morning. I probably emptied a couple of cards, at least, you know, thousands of shots (laughs) that I still like, don't mind me. I'm just here for the birds. I probably still have to go through them. And that's what wildlife does the challenge it's so it's you know not controllable if i do landscape i know i'm going to get a shot i can make a shot if there's no clouds i can make a black and white i can find a composition but with wildlife you're not in control having to let go of that control is is fascinating and and kind of addicting when it works when you when you get the shot when it took me a year and a half to find that eagle but that morning i found it 
I, you know, it was a victory. It, it would be like if you told me you had my book in 30 years, it would just be like, oh my gosh. And, and it, it filled me up so much, but then you get, you know, that's the addiction. Then you're like, I need that again. I need to go find the next thing. <laughs> um, and what I found then as I pursued wildlife so much is I found the catharsis aspect. As I said, I, I just have a very hyperactive mind, you know, um, not, it's not always a bad thing. I just, I'm, my mind's going crazy. I'm always thinking about a lot of things, but with wildlife, you can't do that. You know, and you're doing landscape, you can sit there while you have a 30 second exposure and 29 of those seconds, have your mind be thinking about, you know, the girl that just broke up with you or what you're going to eat for breakfast tomorrow. But when you're doing wildlife, it's almost like a sniper. You have to quiet your heartbeat. You have to, you have to listen to every element. You have to be focused on lighting. Everything's so dynamic that you have to be focused on where your camera settings are going to be. If you're facing left versus facing right, you hear a little branch snap and you got to figure out what's over there. And you're trying to look, it's amazing how camouflage wildlife is. So you're trying to look through every, yeah. every leaf to see if there's something there. And it became so good for me to learn how to, quiet myself and really be one with nature. And that, you know, was just fabulous in my personal development in addition to my uh, photographic development. Mm. That's really cool. And you see, you see the difference when it pays off too, because if you're, if you're not internally quiet, those animals are gone. They see you from a mile (laughs) away, you know, but if you're sitting there able to kind of just slowly be one with them, I've been, you know, I had a, a couple times where a, uh, a red shoulder hawk was maybe two or three feet away from me and I didn't notice them and they were watching me, but I was being so delicate that I look up and they're like sitting there and to the point to where I, my heart jumped quite a bit. And I wasn't very calm after that, but uh, yeah. it, it's, it's just, it's something special being able to be around wildlife, especially when they let you in because you're in, you're in their home. So when they let you in and they let you get close and they're watching you and they're patient with you. That's a great feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. I I love the way people, the way wildlife photographers talk about that they let they let us spend time with them. Yeah, yeah, we definitely get a little, we definitely get a little uh, na- nature buffy. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I I I just have never. I, I I know that's a bug. I will probably get at some point. I just haven't yet. Um, and I think I'd, I've intentionally kind of avoided it, knowing that it seems <laughs> it seems like a recipe for needing longer glass and sitting quiet and (laughs) it's expensive. It's, it's time consuming. It's, uh, it's exhausting. You know, I'm very proud. Like I said about landscapes, I feel confident I could take a camera out and nail a shot. And with wildlife, you you have to really accept you're going to come back with zero. You're going to spend a lot of time looking for something, coming back with zero. And, uh, and that was tough. And it took me about a year's worth of zeros just to really kind of refine it. Um, and the other thing that's fun is you really kind of learn how habitual nature is and mm-hmm. wildlife specifically. You know, I now have gotten to the point to where I can look at trees and be like, that's the type of tree where a great horned owl would be. And sure enough, I can find a great horned owl soon. And, and so it's fun learning the patterns of nature. Um, yeah. Because they really do. They really, you know, are very consistent. That's just the evolution of, of wildlife. And so it's fun, you know, learning the nuances of that. I'm still, I'm still not a good enough birder. Uh, The birders, the true birders will still give me a hard time because I might mislabel a bird. That's a tough, that's a tough group. (laughs) 
If you ever want to, <laughs> if you ever want to beat yourself up, go into a birding Facebook group and say the wrong bird. You're gonna, you'll find, you'll find all aspects. That'll bring, that'll bring uh, both sides of the political spectrum together to bring hatred on you. <laughs> well, <and> if you, <laughs> I love that. Um, the only, I'm not part of a birding group. I am in a group called crap wildlife photography on Facebook. <laughs> that I need have to you, join. Have you found that? You haven't found that <laughs> Are one yet? All my photos being spread on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically it's, I think all the outtakes where, you know, you take a picture and it just most, it's almost like um, awkward family photos, but for animals. Oh, okay, great. I'll yeah, have to find you, that. You should, you should check that one out for that sure. Sounds good. It's a place to dump all of your outtakes where the, where they're making weird, uh, when the, where they're all splayed out awkwardly, um, when it doesn't look very graceful. Yeah. There's no shortage of that. Or you, or you've got a tourist in the background, totally in focus and the bird is a big blur in the foreground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty good. It, it really, it pushes. The other thing about wildlife too, is it really pushes your photographic skills. You know, you have to know, the physics aspect of photography with wildlife because it's, it's fast, you know, a bird flying through shadows from uh, backlit to frontlit to sidelit, you know, uh, different speeds, different angles. You have to really know how to make your camera um, capture what your vision is. Otherwise, you know, you're going to end up with blurs, you know, tourists in focus, whatnot. So, right. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. So, um, talking about gear a little bit for that, it's a little bit different set of gear. And I know, um, I know a little bit about the stuff that you shoot with. Would you mind telling me a little bit about, uh, what your kit looks like these days? What you're, what you're working with? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started with Nikon and I still use my Nikon D850 with a lot of my landscape stuff, you know, get the extra uh, resolution. Um, but I'm a get Olympus photographer now. And, uh, I really, um, aspired to shoot with Olympus to adopt for the wildlife specifically because uh, the micro four thirds has the two to one crop factor and the glass is great glass and it's not the cost of a brand new BMW. So it, it definitely <laughs> was, uh, um, you know, perfect for that. And then I found out um, as I became a good Olympus photographer uh, 60 frames per second, uh, frame rate, which is just amazing to be able to capture, you know, um, those extra awkward moments and, uh, and put it together, the portability. And I've even gotten, you know, some friends, one of our friends, Keith is now, uh, you know, Olympusite and uh, loves it. And, uh, it's, um, it's fun, you know, it's fun seeing different cameras, you know, in our chat itself, we talk a lot about camera brands and we like to tease each other about it. Um, I think my common comment is I'll, I'll take a picture with a pinhole camera. I don't care, you know, and that's, that's a little bit, my thinking is, you know, the gear, it it really is true. The gear doesn't make the photographer. Um, and, Mm -hmm. but in wildlife, it definitely helps you because you do need certain, you will hit your limitations a lot more in wildlife. You need, you need that reach, you need the reach, you need the speed because light is always an issue and, uh, and portability and frame rate, you know, those are, it really is one of those aspects where the technicals start being very, very important. Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a good blend of understanding there are some times where the gear actually does make a difference, but the reality is most of the photos we take, you could take it with your phone. 
You yeah. Know? I mean, that's the, the thing is you could pull the camera that's in your pocket. That's literally in your pocket and just take the picture. And, but if you want to take a picture of a bald Eagle from across the river, yeah, that's going to be crap wildlife photography right there. <laughs> so you need a long lens for that. You, you touch, you touch, I'm glad that you, you make me feel like I know what I'm saying at times. Cause uh, you touched on, my exact answer to, I get frequently people asking, Oh, what camera should I get? You know what? Oh, you're a photographer. What camera should I get? And I go, well, what do you want to do? And that's my first question. Do you want to take a picture of an Eagle on a tree across the river? Or do you just want to document, you know, your day in your life? And most of the time it's the latter. They want to document their day in life. And I say, honestly, your phone is going to do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to print a five by seven or an eight by 10. You're going to get all the shots. It's going to do the work. You don't have to do the post-processing, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of the big thing. I'll admit myself, when I started, I was, oh, I had gear acquisition syndrome like crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I have an entire closet of stuff that I was just like, I want that. I need that. And, yeah. uh, and I got proud of myself at one moment. I said, well, I don't need anything until I reach my limitation. And I go, I need that in order to extend my limitation. And it's almost a fun challenge of, okay, can I, you know, do so much that now I need more. Uh, and you know, I almost got myself when the Sony came out, the R4 and it had 61 megapixels or something. I was like, Oh my God, ah, 61 megapixels, more megapixels. <laughs> and I was like, I want it. And I, I even started looking, I go, do I get into Sony? Cause I, that's a lot of megapixels. And then I realized I go, I, I specialize in large format prints and I have not hit my limit, not even come close to hitting my limitation. Uh, right. I don't think I, um, you know, I really need another 20 megapixels is going to make the difference. And so I, I talked myself out of it. I had a little, yeah, a little lucidity, a little clarity. And I said, okay, when I hit there. And besides our friend, John would come along and go, just skip past that and buy a Hasselblad. Buy a Hasselblad, you know, these, <laughs> these, the, the, the fleet, the fleet of BMWs in my closet all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> that, that one would be like the, uh, the I eight. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, large format prints we've talked a little bit about that you uh, were, were kind of pushing hard as uh, a, a career photographer before uh, before your, your dad's health scare and you took over the business here. Do you mind talking a little bit about your, the, the photography business, what you've done, what are the things that you've done as a career? Uh, people always talk about, Hey, what do I, like you said, how do I, how do I make a living at this? People always say, I want to go pro. But what what has what has that looked like for you? Because um, you got you know you got a business degree, you're running you're running the family business now. You've had some success as a photographer as well. What's what does that mix look like for you? Yeah, you know, the answer to that is always luck. You know, luck and being able to be prepared to capture on that luck. Um, for me, I always enjoyed the. As I've said, the technical challenges of photography. And so with that, printing large is always kind of like the perfect display of a strong technical photograph because you're going to see all of the um, nuances and miscues if you have miscues. Um, And so for me early on, that just kind of was my challenge. I think what helped me learn was trying to figure out how to print. And so I just wanted to make 40 by 60 was, you know, like the generic large print. I was like, I just want to make 40 by 60s of everything. And, um, and I was, and, um, and I still like to do that. And I still try to remind myself, you know, don't worry about the Instagram screen, worry about, you know, trying to keep that strong technical photograph. 
And I got lucky early. Some people enjoyed those. And it was a niche that not a lot of people were really doing because it was tougher with the smaller uh, resolution cameras, you know, to turn a 12 megapixel camera into a, uh, or photo into a 40 by 60, you had to really take a strong shot. So I got a couple installs, which was fun just by chance, you know, um, you know, here, there, and people, you know, kind of stumbled upon it. And that kept me motivated. Uh, when I was in Miami, it took off a little more because I had a couple large commercial projects that ended up picking up, uh, you know, entire offices or entire floors. And that was like, wow, this was actually a, that was one of the bigger checks that I've received in my life. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, can I do this? Uh, you know, I just got my MBA though. And I was like, well, I was trying to go corporate, but I'm having so much fun with this photography thing. Um, so I made the tough choice. That was why I moved back to San Diego because I grew up here. I'm like, well, I'm in my mid thirties. This is bold to do this, but I'm loving it. Maybe there's a chance. Let me cut all my expenses and see if I can chip away at this. And, uh, and that's what it was. It was just chipping, it was grinding, you know, trying to um, prospect, trying to create projects, trying to find anything you can. And, and really, you know, maybe you talked about the digital age and social, trying to be seen. That's the hard thing about photography. You know, I, I got confident enough just from what people are saying that my work was strong. So it was like, how do I get my work seen? Because right. the portfolio is good. But there's millions of people out there and actually, and a little pat on my back, I guess, um, more just a humble, humble note. The other day I was at the beach and I was talking to somebody and he was asking the same question, how do you make it in the industry? And I had said, oh, I, well, I, you know, I'd shoot for Olympus. And he's like, wow. He's like, there's millions of people with a camera out there. And he goes, and you're like one of the small group. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> But, you know, a lot of luck, a lot of being seen. And like I said, you know, uh, in business, in art, in anything, life kind of has to come together, but you have to be able to capture that moment, that lightning in a bottle. And, you know, having the portfolio, having the ability to accept projects or accept um, uh, change and evolution is necessary for when that moment does come. So I got, you know, very lucky and blessed with the moment with Olympus. And I got lucky with the commercial install in Miami that kind of opened the door and, and I took the chance and, um, and it was fun. And then, you know, the other thing about any niche industry is it snowballs. Uh, swimwear is, I, I used to work in the music industry. I worked for Warner Brothers back in college and swimwear is the same. It's kind of this, you know, niche in fashion that's hard to break into. And it's the same as photography that it's really hard to get into. And then once you get into it, all of a sudden it's this giant snowball. You know, you can be like, oh, I work for these people and the next people listen and they're like, well, oh, I saw you or I want you or oh, okay, you have that profile. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to close deals, you know, now when yep. I get a, uh, um, you know, a company asking out about a commercial gig or something. It's like, well, yeah, I have a portfolio for that. I have, here's right. a, a, you know, a resume. And, uh, and so yeah, it's like something gives you legitimacy. Yeah. You know, it, it, it becomes a calling card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and the other thing that I don't excel at, although maybe, you know, this is a, a, a flattering aspect of it in doing the podcast with you is the one drawback of me doing photography as this solo mission and liking to be out in nature by myself is networking is so important. 
And I'm not a great networker because I did this because I wanted to find that internal balance. But I need to also remind myself, which I do, which is why I'm part of that Slack group with you guys of, you know, wanting to interact with the community too, you know, and mm-hmm. then we end up here on a podcast, you know, and, yeah. uh, and it's, um, you know, that's very, very important. Yeah. One of the things that, that has come up, it just, it seems like it keeps coming up in my conversations, both with, you know, for this podcast, but also just with friends is that I end up hanging out with people that I have nothing in common with. <laughs> I, I, I'm having conversations with the broadest range of people. The only thing we have, I shouldn't say the only thing we have in common, but the main thing we have in common is that we're all photographers. And through that, we figure out that we have other things in common. But it, it breaks down, it gets us through, it puts us in touch with people we would have never connected with otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a bread breaker. I mean, it's absolutely a yeah. bread breaker. I mean, it was great coming up with you guys and we had, what, six, seven people and just all mm-hmm. walks of life, different ages, different careers, different uh yeah, you know, different body shapes. And, uh, and it was just like this ragtag bunch of photographers, yeah. you know, it looked like, uh, the jackass cover album, all of us walking down the you know, <laughs> uh, arm in arm. Uh, but it was great. And, you know, being able to have that and, you know, you've, and it creates that networking asset to where, you know, if I need technical input on things, you know, I can reach out to you guys. If, uh, you know, you need a, um, creative input there's the digital designer you know if you need business input there's one of the guys that are a business guy and, it, and it's really neat to be able to see that not only in photography but also in life that you know these are people that really are important yeah no I, that's been that's been true for me very much so uh, to be able to have people that become have become friends outside of just photography so that's uh that's pretty pretty meaningful I still struggle to shoot with others, though. I still like to just go <laughs> meander by myself and get lost in it. I'm, I'm practicing. I'm trying. I can appreciate that. So, what uh, what is the what are the next projects? What are the things that you are looking to to do? You know, in, in the coming months. It's it's been, you know, we didn't talk as much about it as as um, you know I intended, but you know that's been the big challenge is now having a nine to five and keeping photography in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been very lucky that that snowball is still working on its own a little bit. I'm getting a lot thrown at me. Uh, I have, um, you know, just a small, someone reached out privately for a small, uh, photo shoot for their yoga company. Uh, and so I shot that yesterday and have to work through those and things like that, that, um, or maybe off brand even for me, I'll do those. I just don't promote them. Um, and trying to figure out, you know, just how do I constantly keep photography in my life? And, uh, and in a professional capacity, um, it's always um, comforting and flattering to do that. Uh, I still sell prints. Uh, I kind of have that on autopilot a little bit, which is nice, and it feels good every time. Um, but the one thing, as I said very early on, is I'm always thirsty. I'm always hungry, and that hasn't stopped with photography, and I'm scared for that to stop. Um, not in my hunger, but anything being on the plate. So. I do need to continue to try to make more projects and try to have fun with it because I like that satisfaction of the challenge. That's great. That's great. Well, so wanted to uh, give you an opportunity as well. I'm open to new suggestions for people I should talk with. And I've talked with uh, our mutual friend, Alexa, 
And I would love to know if there's somebody else that you think I should connect with on this podcast. And I'm sorry for springing that on you. I probably should have mentioned that. you. <laughs> yeah. Give, give it a thought. Give it a thought. Well, you know, I've got a few people, well, you know, I feel like I have some people in thought that are totally out of, uh, you know, our circle, which could be fun, you know, to try to move Perfect. it out of the circle if you want. Um, I'll send them out to you if that's good, if I can think about it. So I don't put sure, it out sure. here publicly. Yeah, uh, that is totally I got, okay. I got, a, okay. I got a couple um, that just would be a fun little sidestep. Some that I know well and some that I don't know yeah. uh, as well. Um, I think that's great. I One of the things for me that I've been trying to kind of, the direction is that I don't want to limit this to only landscape type folks. So, so I'm also a commercial photographer. So my, 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 I've got a whole list of other people that are not, that don't do any landscape that I'm, that I'm, uh, wooing to try to get on here on the podcast. That was one of my thoughts is there's a guy down here that I met. He's actually, he replaced me teaching the photography group that I was teaching and he does, um, all the Taylor guitars work. Oh, he's the photographer for Taylor guitars. Oh, cool. Is this somebody, you know? Yeah, I know him. So I can send him yeah, over you to you and he'd, he'd for sure be into it. Um, a little bit of background. I worked in a music store for a few years. Okay, cool. Uh, we sold Taylor guitars. Oh, awesome. I have a absolutely gorgeous custom shop Taylor guitar where I was down at the factory and I, I picked the woods for it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, he'll definitely do it. And for me, you know, being a dynamic photographer, I appreciate seeing people who do things that I would struggle to do and his work. I'm always like, yeah, I could, I, he, he does that better than I'd be able to do it. And so (laughs) (laughs) certainly you got to introduce us then. Cool. I definitely, I'll reach out to him uh, and and I'll, I'll give you his information. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with me today, Desi. This has been really cool because we have, you know, we chat all the time on online and have met in person a couple of times, but never had a chance to dig in this deep on, you know, kind of your personal life and your history. So I really appreciate you um, opening up about all that stuff and giving a broader look at your life and your work. And I really appreciate you bringing me on. You know, I am, I am the definition of the iceberg. You know, I, I definitely hide a lot of kind of who I am. I know my digital personality is always a lot. I'm so brash when I speak digitally that uh, there really is a lot more to me. And so it's nice to be able to share that. Uh, I could talk for hours. I'm, I'm bummed that we got to cut it off because, I mean, I just, I don't shut up. I love it. I love exploring. I love, you know, evolving and finding, you know, new parts of who we all are. So I really thank you for the opportunity to be on here with you. The pleasure is all mine. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Have a great day. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, Go take pictures.